Welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Church Podcast. We pray that the sermon you're about to hear would be useful as you grow in your love for God and your love for His church. Now, here's today's sermon. Well, we are back in the book of Matthew. It feels like it's been a while, hasn't it? Uh, if you've been around for some time, uh, we, w- we took a month off, and so we are back in the book of Matthew, and Matthew chapter 5 still. We'll be in Matthew 5 for a couple more weeks. Um, and just to kind of catch you up to speed, um, what's been happening so far in the book of Matthew, and more particularly, Matthew chapter 5? Well, Matthew chapter 5 starts off with Jesus beginning uh, an infamous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, which, as the name entails, he is preaching on the side of a mountain to people. And he really starts off a lot about the Old Testament and how we are to relate to the Old Testament. In fact, there's an easy way to kind of break these passages up here in Matthew 5 into really six natural divisions. There are six times in Matthew 5, where Jesus says this similar phrase. Maybe you'll remember it. You've heard it said, but I tell you. Maybe you remember this. You've heard it said, but I tell you. And we've already looked at the first three. Today, we're starting the last three in this series. And in these three, Jesus is really taking... um, socially known laws in his audience, his time, socially known laws, and he, and he comments on them. The first one, the one that we'll be looking at today, he, he, he brings up this, these laws that they know about um, not breaking an oath, not breaking a vow. And he says, but I tell you, don't take one at all. Next week, we'll look at how he brings up retaliation and how it should be fair, that an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, this was the law that the people lived by. And he says, you know what, though, I say don't retaliate at all, though. And and then again, he brings up for this third one how they just understand to love your neighbor, which then in their minds insinuates hate your enemy. And he says, no, it's not just love your neighbor. In fact, it's even love your enemy. And so he takes these socially known laws that are culturally just accepted, and uh, much of it is rooted in Scripture, and he says, I have something to say on this, though. Because at some point, they've taken it, these laws, they've taken it to a point that it wasn't intended in the first place. They've skewed it to their benefit. And so he has to comment and bring them back to the heart of the original command. Today, like I said, we're going to focus on the first of these three And that's the concept of taking oaths and just the general topic of honesty, honesty. And so let's read the whole passage in its entirety, kind of set it before us, consider what it has to say, and then we'll just walk back through it as we always do. Starting in Matthew chapter 5, verse 33, this is what the Word of God says. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. 
And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. You'll hear later in the book of James, maybe you've heard, let your yes be yes and your no be no. This this concept is regarding honesty and even just oath-taking, it's not divorced from our culture. We, we have this concept of oath-taking. It's all over, right? Just, just in general conversations, you've heard people say, I swear to God, right? You've heard this? Maybe you say it, or I swear on my life I didn't do that, right? This is just general conversation you'll, you'll hear on the street, or maybe just a different use of words, but the same concept, somebody might say, honest to God, I had no idea, right? Honest to God. What are you saying? I swear to God. These are more casual uses of oath-taking and using God's name for your oath, but there's more um, formal ways of doing this. In court, you'll you'll see this, right? You go to a courtroom, what do they do? They hand the Bible to you, you put your hand on the Bible, and what do you say? I swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. Hand on the Bible, you're swearing by the Bible when you do that. Hand on the Bible, that's why you're doing it. You're swearing by the Bible, I will tell the truth. And I think we only feel the need to make oaths, to swear by something so big and lofty that's significant and meaningful to us. We we swear by these things, or at least we feel like we need to, because lying is just so common, right? It's so popular to mislead, misguide, not tell the truth. And so we just, with this general assumption that our word is not enough, we have to stack something on top of it, up the ante, really Bring in some collateral, right, to say, see, look, this. I, I promise even, even I'll put this on the line. Trust me now, because there's this general assumption that people don't follow through. People don't arrive on the time that they said they would. People are just generally late. So, like, I swear on my life, I will be there. Right? People don't do what they claim they're going to do. And so because of this, we feel this need to make an oath to increase our believability. But this very reality, you just got to think about this for a second. This very reality that lying is prevalent and we're not able to trust people, so therefore they need to swear or make an oath to make it more believable. All, All of that is a product of the fall, isn't it? There's no need for this in paradise with God. In the heavenly courts, there's no need to up your honesty. It's just we're honest in paradise. God in heaven, think about this. God is a covenant maker. He's a covenant keeper, too. He's a promise maker, and he's a promise keeper. What he says, he delivers on. Anytime he commits, he follows through. He is reliable all the time. And this is why we're saved, isn't it? Because he made a vow to a man named Abraham, and he followed through with it thousands of years later to our benefit. 
even to the point of dying on a cross, to see to it that he would keep his word. He is a word keeper. From the very moment that he spoke, let there be light, and light showed up, we could know that we can trust his word. It really happens when he says something. He promised Noah that he would send rain for a flood, and he did. And then he promised that he wouldn't flood the earth again, and he hasn't. In fact, I actually started going through the book of Genesis to see how far I could get in the whole Bible, and I counted 50 times before I got to Genesis 30. I was like, okay, that's good enough. 50 times before Genesis 30, God says the words, I will. And he followed through on all of them. And that's true for the the rest of the track history of God. In his word and to the present day. He comes through every time. He is honest and trustworthy, reliable. Joshua chapter 21 shows how well he follows through. Particularly in his promises to Israel. This is what it says. Thus says the Lord, sorry, thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers. And they took possession of it, and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Verse 45, not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel, had failed. All came to pass. And nothing's changed. He's the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He keeps His word. And you know what's pretty amazing? He promises He'll come back. That's pretty amazing to apply that reality to the fact He never lies. Bottom line is, since God is honest, our Savior is honest, we as His people should be honest, and reliable people too. We should be honest people too. As His children, we should have His traits. As His messengers, His ambassadors into the world, we should represent Him well. As His image bearers, we should reflect His character all the way down to what might seem insignificant to you. When you tell a little kid that you'll attend their birthday party next Saturday, there is more at stake than just letting down that six-year-old nephew of yours, right? This is a chance for you to either be like the world Or to be set apart like your God in heaven who is honest and reliable and trustworthy. When he says something, he follows through. This is a chance to represent and to show the character, the nature of God. This is a chance for your actions to be a testimony of the God that you serve. So this is what's at stake here. This is what Jesus is talking about. This is on the heart of our Savior as he's talking to his audience here his followers, his disciples, you and I ought to be honest people. So let's walk through the text here 
It starts in verse 33 with Jesus mentioning the original Old Testament law about keeping an oath when you make it. Because again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. Okay, so there's some Old Testament laws he likely has in mind here about keeping a promise or keeping an oath when you have made it. Most likely he has a couple in mind, one in Numbers, but Leviticus 19.12 is a likely passage he had in mind when he said this. Leviticus 19 says, you shall not swear by my name falsely. See the parallels there? This is God talking to his people. You shall not swear by my name falsely. And so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. This is the law that says if you swear in God's name. Saying I swear by God. Or I swear to God. It better be true. Or you are profaning the name of God with your lie that you attach to him. Deuteronomy 23 is another one he likely had in mind, which says it's really a law that's allowing people to swear even to God himself. But you have to follow through. Deuteronomy 23, starting in verse 21, says, If you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it, for the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. But if you refrain from vowing, you won't be guilty of sin. That's kind of the heart of what Jesus is going to get to, isn't it? If you refrain from vowing, there's no sin, no likelihood of sin. You shall be careful to do what has passed your lips, for you have voluntarily vowed, taken an oath to the Lord your God, what you've promised with your mouth. And so if we go back to the text in Matthew chapter 5. Having these in mind, Jesus offers two different commandments to consider. The first one is that we should just not take vows at all. Just don't do it, right? Verses 34 and 35. But I say to you, okay, we know you've heard it said you shall not swear falsely. You better do if you've sworn it. But I say just don't do it. Don't take oaths at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. Don't do it. Now, pause. This gets tricky. It does. Because acceptable or holy oaths are made in the New Testament in an acceptable way. They were permissible. One was by an angel in heaven who swears by God in Revelation 10. It says, And the angel whom I, was who was, whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven, and he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what's in it, and the sea and what's in it, that there would be no more delay. So, Jesus says here, do not take vows at all, Matthew 5, 34. But here in Revelation 10, we see an angel did it, 
And not only was it an oath, but it was an oath in the name of God. Let's muddy the water a little bit more. God himself makes an oath according to his own name in Hebrews 6. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. So God, knowing God is the highest you can go, says, I swear by myself. So what do we do with Jesus in Matthew 5, 34 saying, just don't do it. What do you do with that? Well, these two examples, Revelation 10 and Hebrews 6, they're examples of someone doing it, an angel and God himself, but they're not commands or encouragements for us to do it as well. In the text that we have before us in Matthew 5, we're told this shouldn't be our default. It shouldn't be our default plan of action. So there must be something different between us or and an angel or us and God that would say, that's not wise for you to do as humans from this vantage point, on this side of eternity. It's not wise for you to do, though God and an angel in heaven could We'll kind of consider some of that this morning. If we're looking at these two verses here, Matthew 5, 34 and 35, we can suspect that there were a lot of people who were swearing by different things just as a loophole to lie. You'll know what I'm talking about as I kind of go on here, but I think they were swearing by different things that wasn't God just as a loophole to get away with it to where they weren't held by their word. They knew that the Old Testament said they're bound to their word if they swear by what? God's name. You're locked in, buddy. You you cannot break that if you swear by God's name. So they would swear by other things, other sacred and holy, important things, but just wasn't God himself. So they would swear by heaven. They would swear by earth. I swear by earth. I, I swear by Jerusalem and the temple in it. I will get you your cow tomorrow. But they weren't swearing by God's name. So they weren't technically breaking any Old Testament laws. So they thought. Similar things today might be. You might know this. What do kids do whenever they promise? cross their fingers, hold it behind their back. I promise. I promise. I'll be good. Gotcha. Right? It's a loophole to make a promise and get away with the promise. And don't act like we don't do it too. Adults do it too. We're just more crafty. We don't cross the fingers because we know that won't hold up in court. So what we do is we'll just, we'll just be very vague with our terminology. We'll, we'll, we'll be loose with the things we do say and don't say. We beat around the bush and we make sure we don't perjure ourselves, we don't get ourselves in trouble with saying exactly what we shouldn't say, but we'll make it sound convincing enough with loose terminology, but there's still a back, back door if we need it. You know what I'm talking about? This is the heart of the people that Jesus was talking to. They would swear by things that weren't God so that they could get away with it. And Jesus says, don't do this. 
Don't do this. Why? Well, there's two reasons he gives. Firstly, you'll dishonor God still. You, that back door you think you have, that loophole, that, that escape that you have, just because you're not saying his name, that's not a real loophole. That's not a real back door. You're still dishonoring God. Because you know you swore by heaven? Well, that's his throne. You know that earth you swore by? That's his footstool. You think you're crafty because you swore by Jerusalem? That's the city of the great king himself. You swear by anything that is his creation. You're still swearing by him. Anything you'd swear by will put God's name into it because it's always God's property. We're not as clever as we think we are, are we? But secondly, to add on to that, you can never fully control whether or not you can keep your word. Can you? Verse 36. Keep going. He says, don't take an oath by your head. Why? So not even your head. Because you're, you're God's too. Don't take an oath by your head. For you cannot make one hair white or black. What's he saying here? We're saying you can't control the outcome. You, you can't control what happens tomorrow when circumstances change, when variables are at play. You're not sovereign over everything. You don't know if you can follow through on that oath you just made. So simply put, when you swear by something, Jesus says, firstly, always ultimately swearing by God's name. You're always pulling him into it because everything you could swear by is his and you can't control if you're going to tell the truth or not. Circumstances might change where you can't follow through. And so therefore, Jesus says, don't risk it. Don't pull God into it and then not be able to follow through. It's best to not risk it. Risking such a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing to swear by the name of God and not follow through, isn't it? So that's the first command that Jesus says to people that thought they found a loophole, thought they were clever. He says, don't do it. Don't do it. You have abused that law. But secondly, just let your word stand as it is. You don't need that oath. You don't need to bolster your believability. You just need to be a believable person. Let your word stand on its own. Verse 37. It says, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So what he's saying is be known as someone who is trustworthy. Not needing a lofty promise to convince someone that you're good for it. Just be that kind of person. There's multiple ways you can work at being this kind of person. Just the kind of person that his yes is always yes, his no is always no. I can always guarantee and rely that what he said will come to pass. We can work at being that kind of person. I'll give you a couple tips, I guess you could say. To live out verse 37. Firstly, be thoughtful 
before you speak. Be thoughtful before you speak. It's very practical. Is it likely that I will follow through on what I'm about to say? What are the circumstances in my life going on right now that might hinder this? All the way down to just having a calendar and checking your calendar before you say yes to something. If you don't have a calendar, whether paper or on your phone, get one. It helps you glorify God and how you make commitments. And I would also say, don't post on Facebook the word praying if you're not going to do it. Right? I don't know how many people post the word praying. And then I'm like, man, if I counted all the times that person said praying, I bet you they've got 40 people on their list right now that they're praying for. I hope they're still doing it. I suspect many do it to look spiritual. Right? Can I just tell you, there is no reward in heaven for making others think that you pray more than you do. There isn't. So, so think to, to be thoughtful before you speak, before you type. Can I follow through with this? Secondly, be reasonable when you are making the commitment. Just think about promises or commitments I tell Judah. I, uh, he, want, he wants to build a fort or something. I'm like, I'm going to build you the biggest fort tomorrow, okay? It's going to be huge. We're going to use all the blankets in the house, and it's going to be amazing. You'll love it, but it'll be tomorrow. And, but I, 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 I build it up because I don't want to do it now, and I'm hoping that will be enough to get him to wait till tomorrow. It doesn't always work. Sometimes it does. But that's, there's a lesson there, isn't there? Be reasonable when you're making a commitment. Can you follow through with such a lofty commitment you just made? The reality is, is lofty promises can lead to lofty disappointments. Only make such a lofty promise if you can follow through with such a lofty promise. Otherwise, just say you're going to build a fort. Not that it's going to be the best fort in the world. Be thoughtful before you speak. Be reasonable when you do speak. Communicate if things change. And communicate promptly and clearly when circumstances might change. If you tell your kids that you're going to take them to the park tomorrow, you wake up and it's snowing, let them know circumstances changed as soon as you can. If you tell your coworker you'll cover their shift, but then you have a family emergency you have to go to, out of town for, call them ASAP. Be a person that's honest, reliable. And if circumstances change, communicate it clearly and quickly. Lastly, just do everything in your power to keep commitments that you've made. Even if it's at your own detriment. And think about that. If you make a promise to somebody and circumstances change that now that's really inconvenient for you. But you told them you would. You didn't know this was going to happen to where it's really hard on you, but you told him you would. Do everything in your power to keep your commitment, even if it's to your inconvenience or detriment. Be a person that's honest. Why? Well, ultimately, it's for God. 
right? We do it because we want to worship God. We want to honor Him. We want to glorify Him. He wants His creation to follow Him and to abide in His character. And so we do it because God, but also because our reputation impacts God's reputation to the world looking, doesn't it? Our, Im- our actions impact how others would view our God. Whether that's fair or not, whether we want them to or not, if we claim to be a Christian, they're going to make judgment calls about our God based on how you act. So why do we want to be a generally honest person? Because we want to be a good witness. Because we want people to know that our God is trustworthy, that our God is reliable, that His promises are sure, that they can read His Word and believe what they see. They're going to get that inkling based on how you act, based on what you say. And that's a big, that's a weight, isn't it, for you and I? Yet we carry it whether we want to or not. So on this topic of Commitments. There is no greater commitment than committing yourself to God. There isn't. And so, maybe you've never made a commitment to God before. To say, my life is yours. My future is in your hands. My family, they're, your exposal, they're, they, everything is yours, God. I lay my life down before you. Maybe you've never made such a commitment to God. I'm not going to cheapen it, drop it down, low-hanging fruit for you. This is no small thing. In fact, it will cost you your whole life. And it will require you to not be wishy-washy, but to be all in. And yet, there is no greater decision, more rewarding, more worth it. I'd encourage you to consider that, to consider the cost, but at the end of it, find him worth it today to make that commitment. Maybe, you, maybe you've made a commitment to God before, but you just need to renew it. Renew your commitment that you've previously made. Today's a good day to do that too. Listen to these words. Trustworthy. Reliable committed, honest, dependable, sincere. Let me tell you, these words describe our God, and I'm so thankful for that. Amen? Our God is reliable, dependable, honest, trustworthy, committed, sincere, and I'm saved because of that. Christian, you're saved because of that. But these words should also describe us if we are his followers, if we are his representatives, if we are his children, if we are his image bearers. Those words I just read should describe you. So we're about to sing to God for his faithfulness, for his reliability, praising him because of his character, that he keeps his word. But maybe... You're a Christian here today. 
but this is one area that you could look more like your father in. I would encourage you, let the next five minutes be a time of confession to him and recommitment to saying, I want to look more like you. I want to honor you in looking more like you. Spend some time thinking about his faithfulness and how we could reflect that, how you could reflect that better. And then sing. Sing with the rest of the church to God who is faithful to forgive to use you and work you through you and for you for his glory. Amen. Amen. Let me pray. Thanks for listening to today's sermon. If you live in or near Bethany, Missouri, we invite you to join us for our worship services held on Sunday morning and Sunday evenings, as well as our various activities on Wednesday nights. For more information on how you can get involved, visit our website at bethanyibc.com. 